you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of sighs guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi everybody, Peter Greenberg here and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London, you just never know. This week we come to you from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. That's right, 28 degrees, 7 minutes north, 80 degrees, 8 minutes west for those of you who have maps or even an atlas, which is another issue of mine we'll discuss later. Obviously, uh, all of South Florida is a cruise capital, Fort Lauderdale being one of them, of course. And joining me now, who's the president and chief executive officer of the Carnival Corporation and uh, been on the show before, I might add. Arnold Donald, how are you, sir? I'm great, Peter. How are you? Always good to be with you. And likewise. So, you know, if, you, if I just looked at the numbers, okay, it's been an unbelievable year for the cruise industry. Your bookings are way up over last year. Uh, new ships are being built. Shipyards are full. Um, it's uh, more people are interested in cruising. And yet, the statistic that always gets me, uh, and it's a survey that was just done recently by one of the insurance companies, is that the biggest barrier for people who want to take a cruise is that they just haven't considered it. It's not that they're worried about getting sick or that they're worried about safety. It's just not on their radar. So if you take a look at the numbers, right, and you see these numbers all the time in your office, 1.2 billion people crossing an international border this year. How many cruisers? About 23 million. That's a small fraction. So you could argue that you're in your infancy, but at the same time, that's unparalleled growth. You know, Peter, you're so right. Uh, If you take all the cabins in the world and add them up, across the industry, not just ours, but everybody in the industry, 
they would add, add up to less than 2% of the hotel rooms in the world. So we're, we're big as an industry, but we're tiny relative to the opportunity of travel. And so it's a great opportunity. On the other hand, uh, we have limited space. We only have so many cabins. We only have so many ships, and only so many ships can be built in a year. You know, so but, but we are going to continue to grow. We're excited about growing, and we're excited about introducing cruising to more and more people. You know, and that's exactly the opposite business model of the airlines. The airlines now are saying we're practicing capacity discipline, and what that means is they're, you know, it, the numbers are staggering. 29, more, 29 million more people we're on an airplane last year than we're in the year 2001, and yet the airlines removed 156 million seats last year. Right. Right, right. in that same period of time. Which means that's why every plane you're on is full. That's why airfares have gone up. And the airlines aren't growing in the same way you are, right? right. You, you, you have an opportunity to grow. They've made a conscious decision, essentially, not to grow. Yeah, from a capacity standpoint, they had a lot of empty seats. Well, we don't have that in the cruise industry. Um, we you know, have the occasional empty cabin, but in the main, the ships sail full, not just ours, you know, throughout the industry. So the opportunity for us, though, is still to introduce more people to cruising. Unlike airline travel, cruising is totally elective. You don't go on it for business. You don't, unless you happen to be in the business like see, I See, wait a minute. You're missing an opportunity here, yeah. you see? You should actually do business travel cruises. <laughs> you know, book more conventions, right? Oh, we do conventions yeah. and that type of stuff. Yeah. But in terms of just as a mode of transportation. Nobody's going from, from A to point B. A to that, point no. B for business no. purposes. No. Um, you know, without Transatlantic, a little bit of that with the Queen Mary 2 and the Queen Victoria and the Queen Elizabeth on our Cunard line. But generally speaking, that's not the purpose. The purpose is the human experience. It's the human spirit. It's to have um, memorable moments, to bond with new people, to bond with those you love. Or to make fun of the other people on board. Or to come have on, come fun. On. You gotta, have yeah. fun with the other people on board, not make fun. Oh, I have, have a, I have, I, we, I, I we, people we watch. Always, come on, I people We always watch. laugh with. We never laugh at people. You know what I do on some cruise lines? Not necessarily yours. I'll sit there. And I'll just sit in a stationary position, and as people go by, I go, what are they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> you can do that anywhere. You can do that, do that at Universal Studios, Station. my friend. You, yeah, can you, can you can do it anywhere. But the know? bottom line is you're seeing growth, and now how do you keep up with that growth? Yeah, well, the reality is we've always seen growth. You know, so the industry has always grown. And, um, you know, we grew our earnings uh, 25%. Your stock price didn't grow bad. We've grown out, we grew our earnings 40%. Uh, 15 over 14, and our guidance this year is to grow, you know, another 20 percent. Uh, so we've grown that way. Wait a we've second. grown you said in 20 percent. That's that's outrageous. That's outrageous. In in financial terms, in capacity terms, we're growing very small. We have 100 ships across our 10 world-leading cruise line brands, and so we'll add four new ships this year. But four ships is maybe five or six percent. It's not 20 percent or 40 percent. Okay, I'm not going to make you do this, but can you name at least half of those ships? I can name every one of my new beautiful ships. No, no, no. Not talking about the new ships. Can you name the hundred. Oh, the hundred. Yeah, I could name the hundred, but it would take a little time, and I don't want to take our listeners' <laughs> time. But of course, I can name my ships. Hundred bottles ships. of beer. Okay, but, yeah, <laughs> but seriously, that's a lot of that's a lot of management. Yeah, we have 120,000 employees. Most of those are um, shipboard on, on the ships. Um, well, they our, better be. Our whole aspiration yeah. is to exceed our guests' expectations every time. To do that, we have to do it through our crew. The real experience on the ship is a community experience, and uh, it's a fantastic individual personalized experience for the guest, but it's a community experience overall, and a part of that community is absolutely our crew, and that's the key to um, exceeding our guests' expectations, whether it's Carnival Cruise Line, our mass contemporary brand, or Seabarn, our ultra-luxury brand, our Cunard, our global brand 
uh, that is classic traditional cruising. Now, of course, it's not just the size of the ships or the number of passengers. It's where you're going. And and the thing is, there are the traditional routes, which is, of course, the biggest one being the Caribbean. It's still number one, right? Yeah, yeah Caribbean, Alas- Caribbean. Alaska. Yeah, more people in, going to the Caribbean Alaska's than any other up there. destination. Alaska's right. good. Yeah. But now, you know, you take a look at the South American Riviera. You take a look at the coastal China cruises. You take a look at, uh, you know, a lot of other Asian cruises. I mean, you, there are so many places you haven't been yet. Peter, we've been sailing around the world for decades you know, across our 10 brands. And so we go to over 700 ports a year, over 700 ports a year, uh, every year. And we've been doing that for a very long time. We talk about China, but we've been sailing to China for many, many, many years. Um, yeah, we but sail now that to the Amazon. We sail to Antarctica. We sail to Alaska. Where's, um, the, we one, where's also, the one place? We also sail to Boston and New York and uh, Halifax. And so we sail everywhere in the world. Well, not everywhere. Pretty much everywhere. Uh, soon, uh, and perhaps by the time this airs, we'll be uh, sailing to Cuba. All right. Where's the one place, that, other than Cuba, that your guys have always wanted to go to, but for whatever reasons, you either can't or you won't right now? Um, I would say there's um, a place that we won't go right now that's been a really popular destination for um, travelers, not just cruise goers, but for a long time, and that's the Black Sea. Uh, you know, because of the tensions uh, that exist in the Ukraine and stuff. And so. Egypt. Um, and Egypt, but, you know, we will still do some um, uh, trips into Egypt and other places. So, look, the world's always been a dicey place. I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, United States. Um, I live now in South Beach in Miami. Uh, there's what happened to St. Louis? Episodes. What happened to St. Louis? I, I live in St. Louis, too. Okay. I live there, too. You so know, you can take had, a river cruise. You can take a river there. cruise. Uh, we, I, I support river cruising. I think it's great. I support all cruising because you know why? There's so many different experiences out there. And as I said, we're limited on the number of ships. But our goal is to get people on the ship that best resonates with them and the brand that best resonates with them. And that's why we have 10 brands uh, running the gamut from our Impact brand, which is Fathom, where you, you know, it's for travelers who love to travel but, but want to make a difference in the world, um, to our mass contemporary brand, we mentioned Carnival, Costa in Europe, Aida, our German brand. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. big guy on the block. I mean, you got more ships than anybody else. Yeah, one of every two people who cruise in the world cruise with us. We cruise 80 million passenger cruise days a year. That's a lot of midnight buffets. That's a lot of midnight buffets and a lot of early morning coffees, but mainly it's a lot of smiles. All right, so I got to ask you a procurement question before we even get to the challenges, right? Because you mentioned those numbers. Did you ever sit down and figure out how many salt shakers you got? <laughs> Have you ever figured out how many bags of sugar or, or you know, how many pounds of beef? I mean, because I mean, Peter, I will guarantee you there are definitely people in my organization that know those numbers. Oh, the one beef the, counters. One of the numbers, one of the numbers I know is we do over a quarter million pair of shoes a year for our crew. So a quarter million pairs of shoes. That's so basically, if I get on the ship, I can find an onboard cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, on some several of our ships, you can. And that's for the guests as much as for the crew. See, in the old days of cruising, which is I go back what ten years for the old days, right? <laughs> the best place to eat on the ship was down in the Chinese laundry because that's where they had Chinese. They had their own Chinese menu down there. <laughs> well, our crew, you know, we have crew from all over the world. We have crew from um, well over sixty countries across the ships. 
And so, yeah, they all bring their cultures on board, and um, some of them bring their comfort food with them, and we make sure we stop in ports where they can access it if they want. But we also, for the guests, try to have a full range of experience for the guests across the lines in terms of their ability to taste and sample and immerse in cultures from around the world. Let's talk about that F word called fear, because it doesn't just apply to the cruise industry, it applies to the travel industry, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, you're seeing rumblings all over the place of people now being, you know, we're, we're now in March, people are looking at their summer vacations, they're now trying to reassess, should we go anywhere? Most of my emails are asking my advice of whether they should go to places like Turkey or Athens or Egypt or either places like Bangkok. I mean, people, anytime you're leaving the continental U.S., people are now, you can see by their body language, they're just like folding their arms in. I tell you, you know, I, I understand. Um, um, people, some people having fear, and I empathize with that. You know, for us, you know, it is safety first um, for our crew and for our guests. Uh, we are connected with every, intel every intelligence community in the world, every security force in the world, and we examine closely where we go. Having said that, um, the reality is that this has been going on for a long time, and cruising has continued to grow. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, guess, this is yeah. not the first time this has happened. You can go into any year, and there would be incidents somewhere in the world. Uh, there's also, uh, you know, disease states everywhere. Or one year was Ebola, the next year was MERS, the next year was Zika. Things happen every year, and cruise continues to grow. And the reason is very simple. People love to travel, even in places where there are tensions, places like Miami, you know, Boston. You know, New Orleans. Hey, by the way, if you applied cities, the Miami murder figures to the State Department advisories, we'd never go to Miami. That's my point. And so people understand there's risk. Are you listening, Miami? But they oh, also, sorry. but they also understand. They also understand that they have to live their life. And the best defense against any of these things to try to disrupt normal economic life and normal lifestyles, you know, is to continue living. And people do that all over the world in places where there are tensions. And the vast majority of people do it unscathed. So we go where our guests want to go and are willing to go. If the guests don't want to go, of course we're not going to go there. But if the guests want to go, we'll take them. You know, I always try to use this analogy or, or, or paint this picture with people. You know, they go, oh, my God, you know, the Mall of America is a target for terrorists. Well, they haven't attacked it. You know, Las Vegas is a target for terrorists. They haven't attacked it. Uh, cruise ships are a target for terrorists. They haven't attacked you. We're not talking about the pirate incidents because that's been under control now. But for those three areas, I f it finally hit me. You know why they haven't attacked it? Because they don't want to attack a place they secretly aspire to go. <laughs> Very good. I think, look. Where did the terrorists on 9-11 spend the night before they, they were in Las Vegas looking for virgins? Well, that was a misunderstood thing. But, but the point is, that's where they hung out, right? So obviously you have security protocols in place. But oh, absolutely. I would have thought that if a cruise line was going to get attacked already, it would have happened. Yeah. Look, we can never predict the future. Yeah. I would say that with 80 million passengers cruise days a year, you know, the uh, probability of any incident that's uh, going to happen to any one individual is slim to none. Having said that, we take every precaution. We stay in constant communication. Um, if we uh, get a signal of a significant risk, obviously we will redirect from that port, uh, and we take it all very seriously. But the reality is we have 80 million passengers cruise days a year, and people are having the time of their life. They're having memorable moments. They're having, you know, absolutely human spirit lifting experiences. And that's really what cruise and travel is all about. And the Midnight Buffet. But let's, we'll move on from that. When you listen to your passengers, 
And and you've been there now over almost three years, right? Yes, it'll be three years in July. Okay. What comes across your desk? What have you listened to your pastor saying, we want more of, and you did? And what have you listened to your pastor saying, get rid of that, and you did? Okay. So I have 10 cruise lines. Okay. So we have 10. So we have very different guests. Uh, so in one case, there were people who were complaining about cigarette smoke in certain parts of the ship. We had already restricted you know, cigarette smoking in a number of areas on the various of the lines. And every line is different because there's different at cultures. What, at what point Carnival actually had one of their ships that was all non-smoking and it didn't work? Yeah. Well, we basically now have some lines that have gone to non-smoking. We have other lines for the that crew have too? confined. For the crew, too? For the everyone. And wow. there are some that have confined that have confined the smoking areas um, to very small areas on the ship. So we listen to what the guests want. But it's different from brand to brand. Our German line, AIDA, you know, the guests there want very different things than our UK line, P&O. So um, we're talking kielbasa. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> more worse examples. But yeah. we, we listen to our guests all the time, and it's not a one thing, it's many things. But what stands out in your mind is the one thing, oh, man, we've got to do more of that, or, man, we've got to get rid of that. There's no one thing because there's lots of little things. It's all about shaping the overall experience. For example, our Chinese guests, uh, they need more space for Tai Chi. Uh, they like to do Who Tai knew? Chi in Who the morning, knew? and so we have so to they were create up, that before space. that happened. There were some Tai Chi injuries, I suppose. Uh, no, no injuries, no, no. <laughs> but there wasn't as much Tai Chi as there is today on the ships. Um, the, um, another example would be the Chinese guests like gaming parlors. They don't want the open casino space when they're on a cruise. They want more privacy. They want more privacy. So we listen to that. But in the U.S., there's been a host of things on the Carnival uh, line. We knew that they weren't a certain line of entertainment. So our Carnival Live series, we've introduced a different form of entertainment. We know they love barbecue. We introduced Jimmy's Barbecue on board, and they love it. The so lines. you branded it. You branded yeah, we, we well, branded it, but more importantly, we made it available, and we made it high quality and something that they just can't get anywhere. The it's same no thing. longer the guest that, the age of the mystery hot dog in the rotisserie. Here's a surprise for you. Yeah. Our carnival guests on the Carnival Cruise Lines, they love sushi. And so we, we have um, sushi on board, and that's one that would have surprised me. I, I wouldn't have expected that, but they love sushi. Sushi's now mainstream. So yeah, they, they love it. And yeah. so uh, those are examples. And, and then there's like Seaborn, where I'm a guest you know, on all of our lines, but on Seaborn, you know, one of my you know, pet peeves is I like Ocetra caviar, frozen vodka, and um, potato chips. I'm shocked. And so at 2.30, they bring me potato chips and caviar and frozen vodka, and they'll do that for any guest, not just for me as CEO, but any guest. Yeah, on, but they do that for you every hour. <laughs> no, you can only eat so much um, no, caviar. No, you can't. No, you can't. You retain the salt, <laughs> and your, your, your ankles will swell up. <laughs> but, but part of the brand of Seaborn is if you want it, you get it. Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, Seaborn is ultra-luxury. But, yeah, but that's you also all-inclusive. It's all inclusive, but it's ultra luxury. Let's, and, t- and let's talk can. about that because that's an industry buzzword that drives me nuts. Because all inclusive always is followed by an asterisk, yeah. and then the asterisk then tells you all the things that it's not including. <laughs> you know, it, an asterisk in the in the in the travel industry is the industry's acknowledgement to you they're going to lie to you, right? Yeah. Nothing no. lower than one forty nine asterisk except for these following thirty six items. So here's so, the thing. Yeah. Here's our approach. Yeah, we believe in giving the guests what they want and giving them giving it to them in a way that exceeds their expectations. So guests want different things. To make everything all-inclusive and make every guest pay for that, generally speaking, on most of the brands, you know, is, not, is a non-starter. Every guest doesn't want to pay for all those things. Right, but above a and certain so price therefore, point. Yeah. Therefore, what you do is you engineer things that accommodate the bulk of the guests who have that particular psychographic appetite, but then you allow them to customize their own experience because, in the end, 
people want their own personalized. They want control. Experience. They, want, and control. they want control. And, and, we, they, and we want to give them that. And they don't want to go to their wallet every fifteen minutes. Right. And some people don't. And some people would prefer to say, "Look, you know." I, and so we try to give them options. We we try to give the guests what they want, and that, that's what we aspire to. Are you telling me you have guests who want to go to their wallet every fifteen minutes? Uh, no, but there are guests who prefer to individually pay for to things. pay as they go. Yeah, to pay as they go. Right. Mm -hmm. You're the ones who are on the app that going, who had the cottage cheese, <laughs> who had the tuna fish, and they're out there trying to divide the tab, aren't they? We stay no, away from those people. No, we, don't, we don't have to divide tabs on the cruise ship. You have your card or your other ID, and it, it's your, your, your ticket to, to freedom and enjoyment and happiness. Spoken like a true CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You got it. What's the one thing? I'm going to ask you to take your CEO hat off and put okay. your passenger hat on. What's the one thing you don't like about your cruise line? Okay, which one? I have you, you 10 cruise it. lines. You so pick one. I would say that we, it's not that we don't like it, but we're not satisfied yet. So we want to continue to elevate the experience for the guests. And the way to do that is to make it more and more personalized so that you get exactly what you want. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. I am a passenger. And joining me now, who is the president of Fathom, which is the newest brand in the Carnival line, on their trips to the Dominican Republic, Tara Russell, how are you? I'm great. It's good to be with you, Peter. Now, we've done this show once before, when I think when we were in Boise, Idaho, which, by, by the way, is where you live when you're not running this cruise line. You've gone a long way from this because you're about, what, three weeks away from starting the cruise to the Dominican Republic? 26 days. Wow. Yeah. No, we're counting down. And three days from now, we actually take our ship um, in, into control. We'll, we'll have it in dry dock. So we're really fortunate. At Fathom, we have the uh, Adonia coming out of the Pinot UK family. And so we're going to do a bit of a soft wallpaper change, as we say. So it's visually and kind of aesthetically going to feel remarkably different. And yet the guts of the ship are pretty much the same. To your question, there is a pool, there is a spa. Of course. Lots of bars, restaurants, great bars food. Bars on a cruise ship, shock. The, the difference is that everything is really tailored to our experience. So we believe that, you know, Fathom is really defining a new category of travel. So I appreciate all the things that you do and that you do. Um, spotlight really for others to participate in and and there's so many indicators of good travel happening around the world right there's this purpose-driven travel some in service learning some in mission trips some in volunteerism what we're doing is kind of going but none to, really on a cruise ship no and and we're really taking it to the next level so we're defining a category that we uh we call social impact travel and and the reason it's remarkably different is that we've built an end-to-end -end holistic solution that goes far before the trip and far after. And it essentially, it stems around two things, relationship and experience. So we're building a relationship with our travelers and we're inviting them into an experience with us ongoing forever. And so, you know, we believe that people want to combine their love of travel with their desire to make a difference, but they care as much about the community that they go with. So what's uniquely perfect about a ship is we have a community of 700 people on board the Adonia. It's, it's a really intimate ship. It's the perfect, I used to think of captivity as, you know, questionably 
you know, and now I think captivity is awesome <laughs> because we have the opportunity to stimulate this kind of impact playground and this cultural immersion playground. Well, let me ask you this because there's another C word that comes to mind. That's content. Yeah. You know, you had to, before you figured out what the ship was going to do, you had to figure out content. We have an enormous amount of incredible content. So we've been so fortunate to work with the best and brightest product and experience designers in the world. We've brought in Ashoka. We've brought in Stanford. We've brought in IDEO. We've brought in you know, Curiosity Outlets, we have a number of remarkable content partners that we've co-developed all the experiences with. So you may wonder, well, what on earth does that mean? What would I do on the ship? Well, or off the ship. On or off the ship. Well, to begin, our Sail Away event, you can think of it as almost like a Tough mutter competition meets like an adventure passport meets this empathy bar experience we've created and an ongoing live mural artist painting this incredible artist every time we sail i mean it's like 10 events in one so it's playful it's engaging it's energizing and it really is sort of aligning everyone around this very kind of purpose-driven uh, experience i run around talking mostly about superpowers because our big hairy idea you know at, at fathom is that everyone has superpowers so we believe everybody's got gifts talents abilities and that we get to help them unleash those on the world so spider-man's on board so you just have to come on board and find out all right but let's we go do have a superpower party oh. if you're wondering <laughs> all right but let me go back and ask like the devil's advocacy question about for somebody listening to the show you know they might interpret what you say is like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to, like, climb K2. Oh, yeah, it's just terrible. Let me tell you, it's terrible. Just kidding. No, it's it's the most remarkable experience that just the world has never seen. And so cruising is fantastic. You're, that's a given. Yeah, you got it. Cruising is fantastic, but this is sort of cruise plus impact, cruise plus immersion. So really, Fathom has two key components. We're social impact and we're cultural immersion. The difference is we go two different locations, and the product are slightly different in each location. So in the Dominican Republic, you get both components. You get social impact, you get cultural immersion. Absolutely, holistically, in one sort of seven-day trip. In Cuba, it's wait, wait, just wait, wait, cultural not, immersion. Let's not go to Cuba yet. I'm yep. still in the Dominican Republic. We're, we're staying in the DR. We're staying in the DR. I mean, this is a country that most Americans think they know if they've been there but have no clue, even if they've been there, because they never leave the resorts. Yeah. No, you know, the northern coast of the Dominican Republic, I, I call it the forgotten coast, because I think for years we've been sending people to Punta Cana on the south side of the Dominican Republic. And, and sadly, those who only see the south side have missed, I think, what is the gem there in the Caribbean. Um, the northern coast is majestic. It's much like the northern coast of Kauai, which I'm sure you've been to. Sure. It's got that lush, mountainous, kind of rugged, inviting kind of magnetism. And the people in that region are just on fire and radiant and really special. And so the bones of the place is fantastic. And, and what we're really doing is coming alongside this amazing area that we corporately have invested in a, in a large port facility and, and really helping them flourish and realize their potential. Well, you've developed a new port. We've developed a new port. But we've also developed a holistic end-to-end -end solution around education, the environment, and economic development. And so you, you may wonder, you know, well, well, do I have to work? You know, is this going to be hard? You don't have to do anything. As a traveler on board Fathom, when you buy your trip, your impact activities are included if you choose to do them. But the beauty is, even if you choose not to... So this to, is not forced labor. No, and even if you choose not to, you're supporting our missions on the ground. And so the beauty is, it, it's a product with purpose from the moment you purchase your trip. There you go. Keep that going. This is Flight 372 on SWA. The flight attendant's on board serving you today. Teresa in the middle, David in the back. 
My name is David and I'm here to tell you that Shortly after takeoff, first things first There's soft drinks and coffee to quench your thirst But if you want another kind of drink, then just holler Alcoholic beverages will be $4 If a monster energy drink is your plan That'll be $3 and you get the whole can We won't take your cash, you gotta pay with and We're back joined with Tara Russell, the president of Fathom When we last left off, we were talking about content in the Dominican Republic What's fascinating to me about it is how you're going to open people's eyes to a place they don't really know to begin with. You know, there's the old joke about the couple that comes back on their vacation. Oh, where'd you go? We went to Aruba. Where's that? I don't know. We flew. Oops, I got a problem with that, right? We are dealing with geographically ignorant people called my fellow Americans. Most of my own members of my staff, I beat them up. They don't even own an atlas. So you're taking them to a place where, generally speaking, I love they, atlases. I, live, I, I take them to bed with me. It's like, whoa, there's I something new. It. That's my life. What are you going to do with it? But the point is... Most people that you're taking on this cruise have never been there. This is, this is. I think most of the world's never been to the northern coast of the Dominican Republic. And quite frankly, I think when people discover it, it's going to radically transform that region. So we feel fortunate to be part of really bringing the world to that northern region because I do think. You're maybe ready for them. Are they ready for you? You know, I think they are with so much anticipation and excitement. I can't tell you, we had our Amber Cove grand opening, which is our new port development that we built as a company. And so corporately, you know, we've got 10 global brands, you know, Fathom is just one of those. So we have built a port community on the northern coast. And when we did the grand opening, if you could have seen and felt the excitement, the energy, you know, the president of the DR was there, there were just throngs of people, but it was it was very emotional for the local communities there because I mean think about it right if you're really proud of the region you live in, but nobody comes to see it, you know how would you feel about that? And so I really believe that we have a, a tremendous relationship with the minister of tourism, the vice minister of tourism in that area, and and the local uh, minister is just like energized. He's six inches taller it seems he stands <laughs> because the pride he feels to share that region is really pretty special. And, you know, if truth be told, only one third of the people in the Dominican Republic even have access to water. It's unbelievable um, the, the depth and breadth of circumstances in the Dominican Republic. You know, if you look at the country as a whole, over the last 15 years, they've made a remarkable amount of progress in lots of ways. However, they still have huge challenges as it relates to access to clean water, the environment, health. Um, health, you know, conditions are pretty strong, you know, but the education system is one of the worst education systems in the world and, and definitely in that region. And so there are still lots and lots of kids who don't have the opportunity to have clean water or go to school. All right. So here's a silly question. I book passage. I book passage. This sounds like an old Agatha Christie movie. But I, I book a cabin on Fathom, right, on the Adonia, uh, and I'm a teacher. Yeah. Do you have an opportunity for me as a pastor of the ship to teach when I get to the Dominican So Republic? the beauty is we have an opportunity for everyone. No matter what your background, your skill sets, what you love, whether you have a specialty, whether you don't have a specialty, we give you a sort of an, a menu of, of opportunities in some ways through a customized journey planner. See, so I know what I could pick. do. I know what I could, I could teach them duck, duck, goose. Yeah. No. Okay, well, it's funny you say that. We actually do a lot around education in two big key areas with both adults and youth. We're really trying to empower the future of youth in that country. And we're doing it through creative um, English conversational models as well as creative arts, music, and sports models. So play is a very important piece of education and engagement. Are you expecting families on the cruise? We absolutely expect mindful families, purpose-driven millennials, and a really a more seasoned traveler who's been around and, and been traveling for quite some time. I'm still trying to get my arms around the words purpose-driven millennials. Yeah. I, I call millennials the unmentionables. <laughs> I just hate them, but that's another issue. Well, you know, I think that the reality is you see a common psychographic across our travelers. Whether they're 8 or 80, you're going to find they have some things in common. 
They love to travel. Which they have to, which they have to realize. Love to travel. They have to realize. It. Absolutely. Yeah. They also really kind of want to grow themselves. They want to make a difference. And so, you know, Fathom isn't just about social impact. Fathom is cultural immersion. Fathom is growing yourself. Fathom is, you know, the opportunity to serve if you choose to do that. But the beauty is it's really bringing together community of like-minded people. Okay, so other stupid question. We live in a world of instant gratification. You know, there's action and consequence. But realistically, on a seven-day cruise, what impact do you think a passenger can have in the short term versus the long term? So that's a great question. I mean, so that's why we're radically different. We have staff and team on the ground every day, year round, all the time that are deeply impacting around this solution we've sort of built with our Dominican partners. So it's not it's not about the travelers. The travelers get to participate in that beautiful experience that's happening year round. But what's what's amazing is the traveler gets to connect with a child and gets to help see a kid go from a level one English level to a level two and you know when I go back a year later I get to connect to the same child and so the opportunity to see him now at a level six and for you Peter to know when you served with Jose he was one to two like I just think being part of that global ecosystem of impact is so powerful and so we have this systematic long-term enduring partnership with our partners so I say we're not speed dating we're getting married so I mean we basically married the Dominican Republic it's not like we're leaving right we built an 80 million dollar port facility there we plan to help that region just sparkle we plan to learn a lot there we plan to just fall further in love with that region and I would assume part of your market plan is having repeat passengers because they want to go back and check well, it out absolutely you know like I said we're building relationships it's not it's we think of it as a an ongoing long-term relationship so you might imagine for instance a traveler who goes on a seaborne cruise you know with their spouse loves the idea of a long you know few week luxury trip just the two of them you know South Pacific then think of the same couple when their kids come home from college and they want to like do something for a week and they can't get their kids to be in the same place with them for one week ever. But if, if they have an opportunity like this, we're sort of an easy solution for that kind of mindful family to go do something different. So the beauty is we have 10 global brands, right? So we can serve our kind of family of customers through a myriad of solutions. You know, think about Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola serves soda. They serve water. They serve tea, you know, that way they're capturing the sort of beverage market, right? And the reality is some people don't drink soda. Some people don't drink tea. Some people drink all of them. And I think you're going to find it's all about the objective of that traveler, right? So for the millennial, it's like, what's their objective? Well, to get together with their college buddies, to go do something. They can take pictures and share on Facebook. You know, whatever it may be, I think our traveler has a strong objective that is more experiential. Are you going to have a no selfie rule? <laughs> it's funny you say that. We, uh, we've we actually built a social media campaign around an idea called Turn It Around. So what you'll find growing on social is a Turn It Around campaign that we plan to go big with uh, and to demonstrate just another way to look at the world. So rather than just to look at yourself, to sort of turn around the camera and see and appreciate really just what's in front of you. Yeah, what makes people think that the, the definition of a great picture has to have them in it? Absolutely, so you, you know, know more really people have been killed by selfie sticks than by lightning? <laughs> I'm not surprised. More people have been s killed by <laughs> selfie sticks than have been killed by sharks. You know, it's, it's a really interesting time in history, isn't it? I mean, I think that what we're trying to do is for as fast as the world is moving, for as digitally connected and wired as we all are all the time, we're trying to force people to pause 
long enough to build some mindful muscles in a practice of intention. So everything we're doing about fa at Fathom is really about intention. It's about really giving a catalytic experience to this group of travelers so they have a different mindset when they go back home. Because honestly, we care more about what happens when they get back home than we do on that trip with them. Of because, course you do, because you want them to tell yeah, people I mean, about this it. is yesterday I was talking to, and you know, in one of the sessions about, you know, Scott Harrison's a great example. Went on a mercy ship as a photographer. He's By the way, fantastic. people don't know what mercy ships are. They're still out there, but they're out there mercy in Mercy ships way. is an incredible organization. So Scott went to do photography of these surgeries they were doing in Africa, right? It totally changed his life, right? So guess what he did? He came back and he built one of the largest impact platforms in the world called Charity Water. You've probably heard it. You know, they have celebrities like Brad Pitt and others that go with them to build wells in Africa. And he's he's raised millions and millions of dollars. It's all about but the water. But see, the key is, you know why he's doing that? Because he had this remarkable impact travel trip he did. It opened his eyes to the world and he couldn't help but come back and do something about it. Hello, uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. We've been speaking with Tara Russell, the CEO of Fathom, one of Carnival's uh, major brands and newest brand, about social impact cruising. And we've talked about the Dominican Republic, but what's on everybody's mind, they always want to be first on their block, is Cuba. Absolutely. And, and you guys have structured a number of your itineraries specifically for that. Yeah, the beauty is we sail in 26 days. We begin in the Dominican Republic, and as of May 1st, we intend to be sailing to both Cuba and the Dominican Republic in an alternate weeks scenario. So... Yeah, you're going to see us there every other week. You know, we have yet to receive final approval from Cuban authorities, but by the time this airs, perhaps we'll have something more to share. But the beauty is we've made enormous progress with our Cuban partners. We've already built the on-ground experience. We've built the onboard experience. We've got the birthing locked down. I mean, it is really beautifully coming together. Well, plus you're a ship that's a manageable ship. You're not showing Absolutely. up with 4,000 passengers. 180 meters, you know, the Adonia, my baby ship sort of fits nicely within the infrastructure that's there in the port. The, the reality is in our industry, right, there are ships ranging from just a couple hundred passengers to several, several thousand, right? And so those, a lot of those bigger ships aren't going to fit in the infrastructure that exists Nor today. should they. No, and it, well, and over time, I imagine we're going to see a lot of investment in that port infrastructure. However, that just takes some time. And I think the beauty is we get to go and experience Cuba now at a time in see, history that's, yeah, that's that will never be here again. So we feel very fortunate to pioneer and really make history in Cuba in a different way, really, because, you know, it's been 50 plus years that yeah. we've had this different relationship. And I think we personally at Carnival are, are hungry to have a meaningful relationship with the Cubans for a long time. And it's, you know, Fathom is one of our 10 brands, right? We're paving the way for the whole corporation really to have a long-term relationship with the Cubans. And we've just delighted in working with them so far. Um, we've made tons of progress. You know, our team is going back and forth quite regularly and it's hard not it's to nice fall in love with Cuba. It's a 28 minute flight. You can yeah, make it, yeah, it's hard not to fall in love with Cuba. I mean, it's, it's this pent up demand, right? It's like telling a little kid, you can't touch that, right? Because it's so close in our minds and yet so far away sort of in terms of the cultural differences that have been there for years. And so we believe it's time to try something new. 
And we think it's also going to just take time to get to know the Cuban people and to, to really understand the Cuban people. And, and we look forward to that. Well, the good news about you guys being first on your block, so to speak, is that the infrastructure there, I don't think, can support a, a bigger ship than yours right now. You know, the beauty is for us, the Adonia is a 700-passenger ship. You know, it really is about, you know, can you physically fit the ship into the port, you know, size and locations, as well as some of the tender conditions. We're fortunate our ship has tenders, right? So that also allows us to access you ports. Yeah, those options, sure. So, you know, there are 11 ports of promise, maybe more, uh, you know, in Cuba. We are fortunate that, you know, we're going to take travelers in one week to three parts of the island, and you just physically couldn't get to that much of the island if you weren't going by ship, because the reality is the roads and the infrastructure are so sure. infantile in, you know, built up that the reality is we can show them more. They get to unpack once they get to have consistent accommodation. You know, we have a beautiful ship, you know, it's, it's a premium ship. It's amazing. And so I think just being able to give them a time in history that's never existed, you know, a chance to unpack once chance to see more of the Island, you know, it's, it's hard not to want to go. And, you know, my concern having been to Cuba so many times is that Forgetting the infrastructure of hotels, which is really not a concern of the cruise industry because you don't need them, there's the other infrastructure, number of bathrooms, number of roads, number of stores, uh, number of restaurants, uh, just the basic goods and services yeah. that people come to expect when they visit any location. Right. I mean, I could actually imagine, you know, 4,000 people coming off a cruise ship looking for three cigars. Because they're not increasing their cigar production, they can't. They can't yeah. increase their sugar or their rum production. So law, supply, and demand, the best part of going on your ship now is you're not going to be part of the craziness five months later. Well, yeah, you know, one now, like I said, is unlike it will ever be in the future. Yeah. And we just won't ever have this moment in history. So now's the time to go. Two, you know, we sort of bring some of that infrastructure with us. So we don't rely as heavily. And in that way, we make it easier for both the travelers and for the Cubans, quite frankly, you know, just because we're not as demanding, perhaps, as, as some other groups might be. Um, but you know, you're I happy think to be there. We're happy to be there. We're honored to be there, quite frankly. And we, we believe that you're going, I believe you're going to see a rise in entrepreneurism. You're oh, going to see inevitable. more it's economic inevitable. development. And I feel excited for the Cuban people. You know, my son last year wrote a paper when he was nine about how Cuban entrepreneurialism is one of the most amazing things happening in you know at this time in history how does my nine-year-old know this right but but because they've, they've because why you weren't watching had to be because why you weren't looking ingenious. he's already opened a store down there yeah well it's amazing yeah. you know to see what's burgeoning in the arts the music design scene i mean the the music there is on fire one of the world's like biggest music festivals is going to happen the first week of may music habana i mean there's just so much cool stuff happening and so we're we're so excited and delighted to be able to be part of that what's the one thing you worry about Gosh, you know, I, I don't worry. I think my job isn't to worry. It's to be aware. What's and the one thing that's concerning you? Challenges. I think, you know, one thing I'm aware of is we have 26 days till we sail to the Dominican Republic and only 21 days more than that, 47 days till we get to Cuba. So there's a lot to be done. Where are the wagons? The wagon is too slow. Can't you ride? It's not that he can't ride. How is it you put it home? They're dangerous at both ends and crafty in the middle. Why would I want anything with a mind of its own bobbing about between my legs? Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. 
So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. The cruise industry never ceases to astound me in terms of their ability to ramp up and ramp up quickly when the economy is looking good. And uh, the economy is looking good right now. And boy, they ramped up. And here to tell us about some of that is the uh, U.S. editor for Sea Trade, Annie Kalosh. Hey, Annie. Hi, Peter. How many new ships are being built? 57 new ships are on order. Amazing. Ocean-going ships. That's not river vessels. And, you know, I've said the shipyards are full. They, they can't take any more orders. They're full. In fact, we announced big news today that Fincantieri, the leading Italian shipbuilder, had to acquire a yard in Norway in order to build four cruise ships for Ponant, a French line. Wow. So everybody's working. Yes. The steel is being cut. Yes. Where are they all going to go? Oh, my goodness. A lot of the new ships are going to China. Shocked. Well, it's a huge, booming market. Uh, the cruise industry only captures a tiny fraction of it. And in, in, in reality, the yields that the cruise lines are getting from the ships they have there right now are huge. They are. Chinese like to spend on board. They like to buy retail, in the boutiques. Retail. Yes, yeah. very big. They like to gamble on board. They buy excursions. They buy Everything. Everything. Right. And they're not doing long cruises. They're not. Chinese like to take short cruises, which is a challenge for the business because try finding ports within the coast of China during the wintertime. But, so they're do, but they're figuring it out. They're figuring it out. And they're also trying to get Chinese to come out and sail in other regions. Like well, you know what? These are the appetizer cruises because once they feel comfortable with that, then they will come to Hawaii. They will come to the mainland U.S. and do that. Absolutely. And I understand that they like great nature spots too like alaska for example is very appealing so what's the biggest surprise about all this new building for you because hmm. well, what does it represent in terms of dollars it's 36 billion dollars worth of new ships so somebody's financing it that's right the the banks are on board that's right the banks are on board that's a good vote of confidence You've got big companies like Disney building two new ships, bigger than the current fleet. That but those have. ships aren't going to go to China, are they? I don't think so, but stay tuned. Because you do have Disney in China. You do have Disney in China. Wow. Mm -hmm. And they will follow that Disney brand anywhere. Yeah, but um, Disney hasn't disclosed many details. They've only said that the ships will be a little bit bigger than the ones they currently have. Okay, of all the ships that you're investigating, those 57 new ships that are being built, mm -hmm. Uh, on many different shipyards for many different brands, going to many different places. What would you say is the most surprising of those ships in terms of the order itself? Wow. In terms of the order, hmm. It's hard to narrow down because there's so many surprising things. I mean, one surprise was that Virgin got into the cruise business. Richard Branson has been talking about it for a long time. You know, time, but, but so did EasyJet at one point, and that didn't work out for him. Well, it's a little bit different because EasyJet was using converted ferry. Richard Branson is building three big brand new ships. He's had a lot of time to research this. He's taking even more time, and I think he'll do it right. Wow. You know, it's interesting. When you talk to people who are in the travel industry, the travel agent industry, or cruises themselves, they always want, what's the newest ship? Where's the newest ship? Mm -hmm. I want to be on the new ship. Everybody mm -hmm. wants that novelty deal. First on their block, and I want the new ship. And what you're finding out from the cruise ship executives is that the ships that are doing the best for them are 17 years old. Right, in terms of profitability. Yeah. But also the lines are spending a fortune to update those ships so that many of them have the same modern dining amenities and attractions that some of their newest vessels have. 
So they, can, they, they may not have that new ship smell, but they have that refurbished ship smell. That's right. And some of these ships you see when they've come out of the dry dock, they look as good as new or even better than new. And then what happens when you have a 17-year-old ship that gets to the 20th year? Where do they sell that to? Where do they sell it to? Where do they sell it? Where do they, who do they give it to? Well, some of those ships are still operating in the U.S. market. Some of the ships go to Europe or other emerging markets. They tend to go to the shorter cruise segments, so that's an introductory type of product for people who are sailing for the first time. Yeah, and you know what? It's not a bad idea for people who've never sailed to try one of those. It's a great introduction. It's a lot of fun to go on a little three-day weekend cruise. And then you can decide if you really want to do the longer ones. Absolutely. And spend more money. Absolutely. It's, right. a, it's a good taster. And some of the lines have special offers. Norwegian Cruise Line had, has free drinks on their three-night Bahamas Oh, that cruise. was the cruise you were on, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think we met on that ship, didn't we? Shh. Don't get me in trouble. Don't get me in trouble. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Now I radio clearance. Over. That's Clarence. Over. Over. Roger. Huh? We've been spending a lot of the show talking about the cruise industry, the cruise business, cruise ships, everything to do with cruise. And every time you talk about everything to do with cruise, you have to talk to my next guest because she is everything to do with cruise. She's the editor-in-chief of Cruise Critic, none other than a regular on our show. We were happy to have her back in person for a change, Carolyn Spencer-Brown. How are you? I'm great. It's great to be here with you, Peter. So, you know, when you listen to everything that's happening right now, you would never think the economy was in trouble. You would never think there's a problem with people getting jobs or, or unemployment or, there's a, or, or, or people have any money to spend. And yet, cruise ships are going out full. There are ships being built left and right. I mean, every shipyard is full. I mean, it's the biggest boom time I've seen in a long time for the cruise ship industry. It is the biggest boom time I've seen since I started covering cruise in the 90s. So it's very exciting. There's so much going on. And and we're we're all getting we all get excited by the new ships with the swanky stuff and the fancy stuff and the water tube pool things and but I think the by the way that's exactly what I call them, water tube things pool things yeah pool things yeah. <laughs> but what I think is the message I'm getting this year that's actually a really nice one is that cruise lines are not abandoning older ships for these newfangled you know new kids on the block. Um, they're really, you're, you're hearing a lot more about spending millions of dollars to make sure that no matter what ship you go on in a fleet, you're going to get a cons consistent experience. And I think that's something that has been lacking. They basically try to figure out how to standardize some things. They have to, and they have to. All right, but then again, there's not a day that goes by, I'll be honest, maybe not a week that goes by, that I don't get a press release coming across my desk about another new ship, mm -hmm. or even in some cases another new shipping line, mm -hmm. another new itinerary, and another new gizmo or gadget. Well, I think the gizmos and gadgets are important. I mean, they, they're fun and they get your attention. Um, but we get complaints at Cruise Critic from people who don't realize that Carnival has 20-some ships in its fleet. And if you, if you sail on Carnival Paradise, are you getting the same gizmos, to use your great word, as you are on Carnival Vista, which is coming out very soon? So, you know, people will be disappointed. We always say, you know, don't ask just what cruise line to choose, but you've got to look at the ships, too. And, and that's really important now. Hopefully that will be less important as they standardize the product across various different cruise lines. And then you've got cruise lines like Crystal. Right which are trying to reinvent their definition of luxury cruises by having expedition ships, submarines, airplanes. What's that all about? Well, I think Crystal is the most exciting thing to come out of the cruise industry in a long time. And, you know, Crystal for a very long time had two very well-regarded ships. But that's what they had. Uh, for, but that's forever. What they had. And that's what they had, and they did a good job, and, and that was it. And then all of a sudden... 
boom. I mean, they're coming out with a yacht product, an airplane that is a private, bomba- how do you say, Bombardier? Bombardier. A 12-passenger plane that you can hire. You can. They're going to have a, a 777 that seats only 85 people or 82 people instead of 3,000 people. I exaggerate. Yes. They're, they're creating a whole new series of products that it's not really aimed at cruise travelers. It's aimed at... If you like upscale travel, and we're talking upscale travel, we're talking if you can't talk about $750 per person per day, you're not in the club. But they're talking about any kind of travel you want to do, they're going to bring it to you. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised next thing is to have them, you know, buy an island and, and plant a big hotel on it. Well, other other cruise lines have bought islands. That's not the newest idea on the block. But, but in a situation like this, they've not only announced that, they've announced they're going to redo... The old SS United States. Right, but just to go back, and I'll, I want to address that, but yeah. back to the island thing. I mean, no cruise line that I can I can recall has actually started a new lodging property on land. No, they haven't done a lodging property. That's they're what they're I'm day saying. trips. Those are day trips. Yeah, yeah. so I'm, I think that that would be the next big bolt to come out of the sky from Crystal. And I, I, heck, anything goes at this point. But you're refer, referring to the SSUS, which, you know, I live outside of Philadelphia. And the best place to see that beautiful, beautiful old ship is from the IKEA cafeteria. It's awesome. <laughs> Um, Do you spend a lot of time in the IKEA cafeteria? Just to look at the ship. Just to look at the ship. Stop no, it. No. But we, well, I have a, I have a, I have a Nordic husband, so I do buy the meatballs. Okay. But, but no, the ship, that was, I mean, completely uh, out of the box if you're talking about why would a cruise line that's all about new and reinventing buy a ship that's moldering, essentially, at the foot of a dock of IKEA? Other than ego, I don't get it. It's, uh, you know, I'm happy to see that the ship's going to get a chance. Uh, but we'll wait and see how it turns but, out. But you know, when I talked to the to the chairman of, of of Crystal, and I asked her, you know, why would you spend eight hundred million dollars, and how could you ever get that money back? She sort of dodged the issue, saying it's worth it to be a patriotic American. I said, okay, you can be a patriotic American, but that's also being a delusional American if you think you can make an eight hundred million dollar investment back on a ship that that's old, that doesn't that doesn't have all the bells and whistles that you could possibly program into it now because it just wouldn't work. Yeah, I, I think it's more, I think the project is more about not really being an American. I don't think it's about honoring the craftsmanship of shipbuilding back when it was craftsmanship. And, and, and yet, if you go to that ship, which you can go to every time you yep. leave the IKEA cafeteria, <laughs> what you'll, I should mention that, uh, what you find is what? Everything that's on that ship has been stripped away. There's yeah. nothing left yeah. other than the superstructure right. and the hull, right? right? right. I mean, there, right. none of the woodwork is left. The steering wheel is gone. All the instruments are gone. All the cabinetry, the furniture, gone. Right. So what are you going to replace it with? Well, they'd have to build a new ship into the ship. There you go. And there's your $800 million. Right. And now what are you getting? You know, right. I'm just... You're getting a really nice hull, and maybe you can get to Europe faster than the Concorde. Well, that's the cool thing about that ship. When it was built... Its top speed was exactly. classified, exactly. and we know it could get up to about 43 knots. I think it was the fastest ship to cross the Atlantic. It in was, all, in, ever. In, ever, ever, ever. So, and that's only the speed that they would have allowed us to know, right, right? right? So who knows? But those engines are gone, too. Right, right. And those engines wouldn't be even relevant. Not you know, today. The cool thing to, it would be to, to put the engines in sort of a plexiglass case so you, everybody could look at what an engine looked like in the 1940s. I mean, Which is so amazing. I'm such a geek. I think. No, no, I'd be right there with you. Forget the IKEA cafeteria. We'd be working at the engine. Yeah, I wouldn't care about that. No, no. That'd be done. All right, so what's the biggest surprise in the cruise industry for you right now? The biggest surprise? I think the biggest surprise is is the emphasis on from just about every line, and you see it in the marketing materials, on the fact that cruising does not have to be a holiday where you where you travel in a hermetic, hermetically sealed bubble, that you can actually get out in the world and have real experiences when you're on a cruise. 
Um, for example, cruise lines that are staying overnight in port or longer days in port or many ports at, in one itinerary. It's about essentially giving people more options. Yes. And it, not just basically giving them a regimented schedule that they, they can't have any flexibility. Right. That's a good thing. And, and, I lo- and I do see this all around the world now where the more and more cruise ships are spending more overnights in those ports, which, quite frankly, I love. Yeah, I do, too. Nightlife is, is a great way to get to know a place. You just like going to the bars. Yeah, that's okay with me, too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, she can drink anybody under the table. Carolyn Spencer-Brown. <laughs> parents sheet. listen to this show. If you are sitting next to a small child or someone who is acting like a small child, please do us all a favor and put on your mask first. My next guest knows a little bit about travel. She's the travel editor for the Miami Herald, a paper I used to write for, by the way, when Jay Clark was the travel editor. Jay and Clark is still around. He still is, and her name is Margie Lambert. Hey, Margie. Hi. Nice to be here. So here we are in Fort Lauderdale, another cruise port. Yes. Um, you know, Florida has exploded. Uh, I don't know if you have any, any more room for ships, right? It's, it's hard, but we have five cruise ports, so there's a well, little you, room. Well, you got Tampa. we got Jacksonville. Right. Uh, port Canaveral. Which which is busier than you realize. That's Disney, right? Yes, yes. But it it uh, most of the uh, cruise lines have ships going out of there now. Royal Caribbean does, um, Carnival does. So they're they're very busy. Have we run out of ports? No, we keep building them. Yeah, it's true. You know, if you go back to nine eleven, the one thing that you could understand about the cruise industry they were they were perfectly positioned after that terrible tragedy to basically realign their their assets. They could move them. Hotels couldn't. Yes. Airports couldn't, but the cruise ships could be moved. And at that point, I remember when they put so many ships in so many ports in this country, ports that didn't even know they had ports. I mean, right? Right. And they were sailing out of places like, you know, Houston and Galveston and Philadelphia and Boston. And, um, oh, my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of, of course, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco. And many of those ships are still ported there. Yes, yes. And now what you're seeing is a lot more ships are going to those other ports um, no, we haven't run out of ports yet, but the ports here in Florida, they're filling up. Now, there's also river cruising. And, and recently we did a, we did a show uh, on the Mississippi, yes. on American Queen. Yes, I've been on that trip. Did you like it? I did. I me, liked it a lot. Me too. And I wasn't prepared to like it. I thought it was going to be hokey. and cra- But you know what? They've done a good job. They have. I agree. And I especially like the way they they did the shore excursions where they had kind of hop-on, hop-off You know what? Nobody's trapped on a bus. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Every 15 minutes, if you wanted to go back to the ship, you could. Or every 15 minutes, if you wanted to go to the destination, you could. Right. That's a smart way to go because the last thing I want to be, and I'm not being cynical, I'm being practical, is trapped on a bus going to a tourist shop I didn't want to go to in the first place. Right. And if, and if you liked it, you could just stay there longer and wait for the next bus. Right. And you know what? That's an original steamboat you've got on there. It is. I mean, the engines go. The story about that about that boat, which is amazing to me, is where the engines came from. They found the engines of a dredge that had sunk in the 20s or something, and and, and they were able to get it all back together again and put it the way it was, which is one of the reasons why that ship is listed as part of the Historical Hotels of America, because you have a lot of history there just with the engines, those steam engines. The other thing I learned about that ship, which is amazing, not that ship, but but river boats in particular, is, you know, we have this sort of like romanticized notion 
of what riverboat cruising was like back in the 1800s and the early 1900s. And as I was harshly reminded, do you know what the average lifespan of a riverboat was back then? No. 18 months. They either oh. caught fire, blew up, or sank, or all three. Oh. Yeah. So technology's come a long way. Yes, it has. And, and so I'm a big fan of those river cruises. In Europe, of course, they're building so many river cruise ships that I think they, run, they have run out of ports. I mean, when you, when you pull up to a dock on, on, on a small river in Europe, you're often lashed to six other boats. Yeah. Because that's the only place they got the dock. Right. You walk across one boat to get on the one exactly. board next to it. And yet, I still enjoy that river cruise experience because yeah. you're, you're traveling at a pace that's slower, that where, where commerce really started in Europe, to villages that are not over, you know, overcrowded with, with tour buses. Yeah. Right. What's your favorite cruise line? I don't think I'm going to take that bait. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite cruise destination then? And Why? I really enjoyed the uh, New Orleans to Memphis leg of that American Queen cruise. I went on um, a cruise of the Danube um, from uh, Germany to Budapest, and I really liked that. And, too. of course, you, I think you can share this with our audience, that the Danube is not blue. <laughs> no, it's not blue at all. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention that it's not the blue Danube anymore, but it's still a great cruise. It is. I did it between Vienna and Budapest. Amazing. I wish I could have spent more time in Vienna. That looked like a fascinating yeah. city. Although I have to warn you, it is a fascinating city. There's no doubt about it. But there are two words that you need to know about Vienna. And they end every sentence when it applies to food. Mitschlag. Everything is served with cream. Good luck. You're going to come out as the Michelin tire man. It's like, be careful. And they really like their cream. But more importantly, okay, those are the river cruises. What about the, about the ocean-going cruises? Which, which destinations do you like that have done a good job? Curacao in the Caribbean. Really? Yeah, I enjoyed that island a lot, and maybe because it's not so much like the rest of the of the Caribbean, it has that more desert quality to it. Yeah, the Curacao is a strange place for me. I have to tell you, um, the port is interesting because when you when you come in the port, you're yes. you're close into everything. I mean, when you come in that narrow entrance, which is really quite interesting, and there's a bar there that you can sit at and watch everything go by. It's just amazing. But I found Curacao, um, they need some more infrastructure. Uh, and maybe that's what you liked about it because it didn't have enough. Right, right. I, I do. And I was, I was not there on a cruise, but I was able to pay attention to what day the ships were going to come in and take my drive around the island on the day there were going to be three ships. Now, when you write for your audience, and, and I'm, we're going to stay on, on, the, on the subject of cruising, I mean, I have certain things that I tell my audience, right, that they should always do and they should never do, right? So <laughs> for me, I tell them, look, you are ludicrous. You are delusional. If you want to fly to your embarkation city on the day that you're leaving. No, you'd never want to do that. People do that all the time. And then, and then their luggage doesn't show up. And then they're missing out their luggage. And they're playing catch up for a week. You should go a day or two ahead of time. Settle down. Relax. Get everything ready. And then you're not rushing. Plus, it can be an opportunity to see a new, a new city. Which people do. I mean, and why wouldn't you do that? It's, it, it, the, the embarkation point can sometimes just be coincidental. And many times, it's an opportunity. Yeah, I agree. What's, what's your big per, per point of advice for people? I think when people go on a cruise, the first thing they have to decide is whether they are going for the ship or for the destinations. What and, happens if the ship is the destination? Well, <laughs> that's uh, Royal Caribbean. Although it's got yes. right. Yeah, and and that's that's my point. If you want to see the destinations, you want to choose a cruise that makes more port calls 
Royal Caribbean has scaled back a little bit on its Caribbean ports so that people can spend more time on the ship. Sure. And in that case, in many cases, it's like all about revenue, too. Yes. But the thing is, how about the smaller ships that go to the ports that the big ships don't go to? I love those. That, that is great. That is great. Those are smaller ships. They tend to be a little more expensive. For me. So maybe for somebody doing a first-time cruise. Maybe not. Maybe not. I always tell people, if you've never cruised before, do the three-day Bahamas cruise. Do the three-day Mexico cruise out of, out of Los Angeles. You'll find out pretty quickly if you like cruising, right? I, I talk to people who are nervous about going on a cruise ship. Maybe they're just afraid of being out on the water. Maybe it's something else. And that's what I say is, okay, here we are in Miami. You can go to the Bahamas. You can go over to Nassau. You can go to Bimini or Freeport, and it's easy. And see if you like it then before you invest in a longer cruise. Right. And if you're going to invest in a longer cruise, do your homework. Wake up in the morning, go to a bookstore, buy an atlas. How about that? Yes. And understand where you're going. And understand what your options are that go beyond just the shore excursions that are offered by the ship. Right, right. See if there's something else you want to do yourself. Or find another couple on the ship, call a hotel, get the concierge on the phone, get a car and driver, and they'll take you around, right? They'll take you around. Yes, yes. I mean, that's the bottom line. There's so many things you can do that you don't have to be trapped on that bus going back to that hop-on, hop-off thing. Right. Margie Lambert, the travel editor for the Miami Herald, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We appreciate that. I'll see you on the bus, but only in 15-minute intervals. <laughs> You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast on the new location somewhere around the world. Hey, Prime members, Peter Greenberg here. You can listen to Ion Travel ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. And you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town, to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Hi, I'm Misha Brown, and I'm the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show, The Swan. The problem, this dream opportunity quickly became a viewing nightmare. They were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. 
Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.